0: was thinking about a story that i read about they had an open-air gospel meeting going on and man had asked for testimonies and a guy stood up that had been just a was it was known as the, the town drunk i mean he had, he had his life had just spun out of control and he'd become a drunkard and there was a skeptic that was going by as he was giving his testimony and he stopped and he started listening to the man and he started saying things to those that were close by him and he said you know that's nothing more than a dream religion saving a man in this manner manner it's just a mere dream it's just writing it off just just a dream and you know people around were hearing it, and all of a sudden, a little 10-year-old girl heard it. She walked over to the man, and she said, Mr., if it's a dream, please don't wake him up. That's my daddy. (laughs) Aren't you glad? And it is like a dream, isn't it, that God can just turn our lives around. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me today to... The book of Philippians, the third chapter, starting with the third verse. This is Paul writing. I want you to pay close attention to his words. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word because it's life. And we just ask you, God, to let it be more than words we hear. But God, let us grab hold of it in our hearts so we can live by it. And we give you all the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to leave a thought with you today on making a mark. Would you turn around, look at your neighbor, and say that with me? Making a mark. Paul talks about, in in this passage, he's saying, look, he said, it's not like I've already made it. Did you ever find anybody that, you know, acted like they could walk on water? You know, I, I haven't made it yet. Paul's saying, it's not like I've already made it. He said, but this is some of the things I'm doing right now. I'm forgetting those things that are behind me. I want you to hear what I'm going to tell you. You're never going to be able to embrace your future if you keep looking to the past. Somebody, turn, Look at your neighbor right now and say, leave it behind you. Just leave it behind you. Say it with me. Everybody look me in the eye. Got a lot of eyes looking at me right now. Everybody look me in the eye and say this. Let it go. Let it go. Man, if I could sing right now. you just got to let it go you've you've got to forget those things that are behind you and let it go he said forgetting those things that are behind he said but I'm reaching for those things that are before me now hear me you don't reach for something that you can't see right so you got to know that God's got something in front of you I've reached for stuff in the dark before I knew it was up there I just couldn't find it. We had a light bulb that we screwed in. We didn't have a wall on the switch. Reverse that. We didn't have a switch on the wall. <laughs> didn't have a, a pull chain. So I'm down there. At, I, I could have went by and none of you had even caught that. I, I, I went down there and I'm, I'm reaching around in the dark for light. I knew it was up there somewhere. I was reaching for that which was before me. Kevin, I found it. Found out that the light was out of the socket, stuck my thumb right in the socket and it lit up my world. See, sometimes we're we're reaching for things. You, you've got to understand that God is more powerful than you are. Reaching for those things that are before you, knowing that God's got this, that He's able, He's more than enough. Reaching for those things that are before, I press. Somebody say press. press. You ever feel like he was in a press before? If anybody knew anything about a press, Jesus did. Because when he went to the Garden of Gethsemane, it was, a, it was an olive press. Here's something you need to recognize about a press. The tighter the press, the more oil that's released. So when you find yourself in a tight spot, you need to know that God is getting ready to release himself in your life in a way that you never saw before. Don't, don't begin to despise tight spots or the press. Just know that that's when God shows up the best. Amen? Amen. He said, I'm, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Everybody say the mark. You know, we all strive to make a mark in life right we want we we have how many of you here today have a desire to uh make a mark in your life you you've got a goal you want to set you want to make a mark wave your hand at me if you do those of you that don't have your hand up on well, what do you want to do in your life <laughs> see sometimes we can just go through life right coast i want to make a difference i want to make a mark i thought about those people around us that are, that people in, in past that have made a mark in our life that we we may not even be aware of let me show you a picture of a few of them how many of you know who this guy is who is that if you if you were in the first service don't say anything who is that Bell. very good Alexander Graham Bell and what is that in his hand it's a telephone and how many of you have know that the telephone is a fast way of communication. Telegraph, telephone, and mind your own business. Okay. <laughs> so now that's Alexander Graham Bell. Okay, let's, let's take a look. How many of you know who this is? How many of you know who that is? And that may be a little tough. Let me show you what, what he created. Now you know who he is, right? what a cotton gin Danny was there (laughs) cotton cotton gin that was Eli Whitney he made the first cotton gin and it it revolutionized the way the cotton was processed that's why your fruit of a loom feels so good it's because he look man you remember when it used to be picking cotton there used to to be a song said when them cotton balls get rotten you can't pick very much cotton Okay, if you never picked cotton, I understand. Let me tell you, picking cotton became a lot easier with the invention of this machine because you could process it. The cotton gin, Debbie's mother was hired to chop cotton. How many of you know the term chop cotton? If you've ever heard that term, raise your hand. I thought we were in southern Illinois. Okay, everybody say south. Chop cotton. They hired her to chop cotton. For those of you that do not know the term chop cotton, that means that you go out in the cotton patch and you hoe the rows of cotton. That's called chopping cotton. Debbie's mother did not understand that term. She took her and all of her children out. All, how many of them? Eight of them? All all the kids that she had at the time took them out in the cotton field and proceeded to literally chop cotton. They got rid of her. She went out and started hacking the plants down. That she thought that's what they meant—chop cotton—and just anyway. So everybody say chop cotton. Now who's who's this guy? Who is that? Let me show you what he made, and you'll 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 get his name right there. You recognize that, right? That, that, that man's name is James King, and he created the first washing machine, and you're looking at it right there. First washing machine. Made my life simple. How many of you are thankful for the washing machine? Aren't you glad that it's gone through some modifications since then? Now, take a look at this guy. How many of you know who that is? His name is Fritz Harbour. He received the first Nobel Peace Prize that was ever given for chemistry in 1918. He developed a way to be able to produce ammonia. Wait a minute, let me get this right. He, he, He developed a method of synthesizing ammonia from nitrogen that was in the air. And with that, they were able to produce fertilizer. So they were concerned about, you know, the, the world population and not be able to feed it because, you know, you just put a plant out and hope for the best, and it doesn't always come out the way you want it. You've got to—I I, I had a guy down in Mississippi one time. He's a pastor. Man, he had—I'm I'm a kid you not. He had tomato plants that were as tall as I was, and, man— Big old tomatoes. And I said, how do you do that? And he looked at me and said, TLC, brother, TLC. What is that? Some kind of chemical you're putting on that? And tender love and care is what he was telling me. And so he developed a way to feed the world, He producing that. But he was known for something else before he was known for the Nobel Peace Prize. Everybody say it with me one more time, Nobel Peace Prize. He was known for producing the first chemical warfare. And so in World War I, he developed chlorine bombs and used against the French and British troops and killed thousands of them. It's odd, isn't it, that the man that received the first Nobel Peace Prize was also known as the father of chemical warfare. One last guy I want to show you real quick here. You, know, you recognize him? Who is it? His name is, I know it's on the tip of your tongue. His, his name is Franz. His last name is a mystery. It's, it's Reichelt, R-E-I-C-H-E-L-T. You figure it out. What he's wearing is what he produced. He, he invented a parachute jacket. It's amazing. Take, take a look at, go to the next picture. He, he was so confident to show this that he climbed up the Eiffel Tower. Look, man, he jumps off the Eiffel Tower with his parachute jacket. And with everyone watching, he made his mark. It was a spot about this big on the ground. Jack, it didn't work. He died right there, jumped off that tower. I'm thinking, you know, I'm not the most brilliant guy in the world, but wouldn't it have made more sense to like to jump off of a 10-foot wall first? To, you know, he, he believed in that. What's your point, Pastor? My point is that everything we do doesn't always work out the way we hope for. So, everybody say this with me. As a matter of fact, just look at one another and say this. So, don't do something stupid. Because it doesn't always work out, does it, right? You don't want to do something stupid. I thought about it in Scripture. There's a, all these people wanted to make their mark in life, and they succeeded in, in doing that, but, but some of them failed. But if at first you don't, unless you jump off the Eiffel Tower, then you don't get a chance to try again, right? So there's a man in Scripture that is determined to make a mark. He he first shows up in the fourth chapter of Acts. His name is Barnabas. Barnabas' name, the interpretation of his name is son of consolation. But actually, the Greek word there would be better interpreted son of encouragement. Everybody say encouragement. Did you ever see someone that was just an encourager? Debbie, stand up. Walk up here real quick. Turn around, look at everyone. If you've never seen someone that was an encourager, you just have. She's She's an encourager. Her dad used to tell her, you can make a trash man feel like he was a millionaire. I mean, no matter what, what is she's going to, she's an encourager. That's just her nature. Some of us have to work on it, right? Some of us have to work on being an encourager. I'm, I'm, I'm getting better at being an encourager when I encourage people now. I say, you know, you could have done that better. <laughs> And, you know, it's so, somehow, sometimes you have to work on it. Somebody say, I'm working on it. But Barnabas, being an encourager to Barnabas, just, just came to him. It was what he was made for. In, in the ninth chapter, Barnabas shows up again, and this time he's keeping company with someone that the church is not only afraid of, but they despise. The guy he's keeping company with's name is Saul. He comes to Jerusalem, and all the Christians won't have anything to do with him. You know what Barnabas does? Barnabas goes and he gathers him up. And he said, Come with me. I'm borrow you, Jason. So Barnabas takes this guy named Saul that's been rotten, that has had a life that it's no reflection on you. That, uh, that, that has had a life that has just you know, I mean, man, he's been known for killing people. He's been, he's, he doesn't have a good rapport. But something happened. He had an encounter with Christ. And how many of you know that Jesus changes everything? He changes everything. And so what he does is he takes this guy, and he takes him to meet the, the apostles. He skips all. They, I mean, he takes him to the top echelon of the church he's saying look you know these guys may not receive you I'm going to take you to somebody's who got some influence he takes him and meets Peter and John and Matthew and Barnabas says this guy had a vision God showed up and talked to him and he changed him he said listen man I've been listening to him preach he said he's preaching the truth and he puts his reputation on the line for this man. And the apostles pull him in. And then they release him, and the rest is history. Thank you. And so Saul becomes Paul. He writes nearly two-thirds in the New Testament. He's, he, he, he goes and begins to evangelize the world that he knew at that time. And guess who goes with him? Barnabas. Everybody say the dynamic duo. (laughs) Man, they're going out and they've got miracles and signs following them and things are happening. And they took a young man with them. Young man's name was John Mark. And they take John Mark on this missionary journey and he's waiting on them. He's taking care of their needs while they're ministering. And all of a sudden, there's a place on this journey that Mark reaches and he cuts and runs. They head off in one direction and Mark says, I'm going home. Now before you how many of you have ever cut and run before? You know what I'm talking about? And sometimes it gets a little intense and a little too much for you, and you cut and run. Let me share with you what Mark experienced, and I personally believe this is why he left, why he ran. There's a place in Scripture where Paul and Barnabas encounter this sorcerer. His name is Elimaeus. He's talking to a governor named Sergius Paulus, and Paul has got him right on the verge of giving his life to God when the sorcerer steps in and begins to try and talk him out of it, and he begins to interfere with what they're doing, trying to prevent them. And this is, what Paul, this is what Mark sees. Mark sees Paul step up. This is, in, this, this is found in Acts, the 13th chapter. Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked the sorcerer in the eye, and then he said, You son of the devil, full of every sort of deceit and fraud, an enemy of all that is good. Will you never stop perverting the ways of the Lord? Watch now, for the Lord has laid his hand of punishment upon you, and you will be struck blind. You'll not see the sunlight for some time. Instantly, mist and darkness came over the man's eye, and he began groping around, begging for someone to take his hand and lead him. Wouldn't that shake you up? Here's a young man, and he's excited about God, and then all of a sudden, he sees this happen. Right after this man, he's headed home. What are you getting at? Have you ever been in a service that shook you up a little bit? I want you to think about your first encounter with the Holy Spirit. I remember it, man. I wasn't raised in church. I went in there, and I started feeling something, and I am about to come apart man and I I can't I don't I don't understand what's going on and I'm ready to cut and run I look over for my brother Paul he's sitting on a pew with me and I'm saying I I look over at him to say Paul let's get out of here I look at Paul and Paul's doing that on the pew and I'm thinking are you kidding me man I'm I am scared to death Mark ran it's not like we haven't right Sometimes we've run from relationship. Sometimes we've run from trouble. Sometimes we've run because we didn't want to have to face the situation. So we cut and run. Can I ask you a question? Does it change the situation? No, it just postpones it. It doesn't change anything. So look at your neighbor and say, don't run. Well, Mark went home. Paul and Barnabas go on to continue the missionary journey. And, man, they're having results. I mean, these, look, God is using them in such a way that they get to this one place and the people see them perform, I mean, God heals a man through their ministry and the people get so taken up with it that they're ready to offer sacrifices to Paul and Barnabas and they come running out. They've named one of them Mercury and the other Jupiter and they come running out to do it. And Paul and Barnabas rip their clothes and run in around the crowd and say, no, you can't do this. We're just men. So they prevented them. Man, God's changing the world through them gentiles are having the gospel preached time ticks on they find their way back to jerusalem there's a meeting of all the heads of the christian world discussing a question over circumcision they come to a decision about that and they release paul and barnabas and paul looks at barnabas and he said you know what Let's go back and visit all those places we went before. Let's see how they're doing so we can be an encouragement to them. Barnabas says, man, that's a great idea. Let's take Mark with us. I beg your pardon? Let, let's take Mark with us. You're, you're kidding, Right. No, I think it would be good for him. Man, we're not taking Mark. What do you mean we're not taking Mark? He left us last time. We are not taking Mark. Paul, come on, man. Take a chill pill. Just, you know, it would be good for him to go. We're not taking Mark. We need to take Mark, Paul. I said no. The Bible recorded that the contention between them was so great that they separated Did you ever have somebody you just didn't agree with? (laughs) Wow. Paul takes Silas and heads to Syria. Barnabas takes Mark and goes to Cyprus. Now, they both continue to preach the gospel. They're not bad-mouthing each other. I just want that to settle down there a minute. See, because we think that if we don't agree with someone, there's only one alternative we have, and that's to trash them. No. They didn't badmouth one another. They continued to love each other, but they just recognized we're going to have to go our separate ways because Paul is adamant that young man is not going with us. Barnabas holds true to his name, and he's going to encourage this young man in the Lord, Let me borrow you, Isaiah. So what Barnabas does is he takes Mark. Now, I want you to stop and think about this for a second. I want you to think about what he's got to be thinking. In his mind, he knows that Barnabas and Paul aren't together anymore because of him. And I can't help but think that he's saying, man, Barnabas, look, don't, don't let this, don't let me get in the way of your friendship. It's okay. I'll, I'll be all right. But Barnabas is saying, no, Mark. You're going to go with me. It's okay. Paul, Paul's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. But you need to understand that God has a call on your life. I believe in that call. God's going to use you. And so Barnabas takes this young man with him and begins to pour into him. He encourages him to be all that God has called him to be. Thank you. You ever been there? where you felt like you blew it, felt like your worth wasn't much. But there's God reaching out his hand, bringing someone into your life, letting you know that you count, that you matter, that just because you fell doesn't mean you can't get up. Just, just, okay, Don't, don't act like we've never been there. Don't act like it's never affected you. I know what it's like to feel like a failure only to have God come back through and say, get up, boy, I'm not done with you yet. I'm not finished with your life. I've got a plan. I've got a purpose and you're going to fulfill it. He pours into Mark until something powerful happens. Something that nobody was expecting happens you have to go to the book of Timothy to discover what it is when you get to 2nd Timothy the fourth chapter Paul is writing listen to Paul's words only Luke is with me bring Mark with you when you come for he will be helpful to me in my ministry (laughs) what's going on this guy that Paul wrote off This young man that Paul refused to allow to come with him, somebody refused to give up on. Somebody said, well, you may not want him around, but I'm not letting go of him. I'm not giving up on him. I'm going to continue to help him. I'm going to pour into him. And at the end of Paul's life, Paul is calling for the young man that he felt like didn't have any worth. Only Luke's with me now. Would you do me a favor and bring Mark? he's going to be profitable for me he's going to help me in the ministry what are you saying pastor I'm saying God didn't give up on you so don't give up on yourself God never quit believing in you so don't stop believing in him there's a powerful line in a movie called the Mount of Monte Cristo when all of a sudden the priest is dying And he's he's telling the young man that becomes known as the count. He tells him, he said, take this map, find the treasure, and use it only for good, only for good. And the young man responded, and he said, no, I'll definitely use it for my revenge. He said, no. He said, here's your last lesson. Don't become guilty of the crime they've accused you of. What did they say about you? Prove them wrong. <laughs> Prove them wrong. I remember at 18, man, uh, 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 a church that I attended thought I was just a smart aleck kid. But, and and that, why, why did that? Man, I for the first time in my life begin to experience God and I wanted to tell people about it. Don't anybody get excited in here. Wouldn't want to have to call an ambulance for you. See, sometimes we just get into a routine. We just get into a rut. Oh, yeah, well, you know, it's Sunday morning. I guess I need to show up at church. And I don't want them folks talking about me. I don't go to be seen by people. We come to worship him. Somebody said, I want to worship him. I, I want to work. No, 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 no. I mean, I want to worship him. No, I got to get out of there, man. That's too loud for me. I tell people put in earplugs and enjoy yourself. Just, just whatever you got to do, do it, but worship him. Somebody say it with me worship him. Don't become guilty of what they've accused you of. And then the young man looked at the priest. And he said, God will help you. And the young man looked at the priest. He said, but I don't believe in God. I love this line. The priest looked at the young man and with his dying breath grabbed his hand. He said, it's okay. God still believes in you. God believed in you when you didn't believe in yourself anymore. And God will send somebody into your life He'll send a Barnabas to you to encourage you and lift you up and cause you to understand that just because you fall doesn't mean it's over. Failure isn't final unless you just refuse to get up. Somebody shout it with me, get up! (laughs) The apostles would die church would find itself in a discouraging time. Christians were under persecution and they needed something that they could hold on to. And this young man, this young man called Mark was getting ready to leave a mark because God had made a mark in his life. And so when the church needed strength, when they needed encouragement, he began to pull from all the things that God had poured into him. He remembered Barnabas' encouragement. He he remembered Peter called him his son in the faith. And so he begins to pull from these people and he sits down and he begins to pen what would be the first gospel that's ever recorded. And it would be to remind the church that when it's dark, the light's still on. That when things are going bad around you, there's still a God that's in charge concerning you. Do you ever read this gospel? Everybody say, just because it's dark... Don't mean the light's not shining. (laughs) All you got to do is go to Mark chapter 10. Somewhere around verse 46, I think it is. There's a guy in there, his name's Bartimaeus. It's dark in his world. He's blind, he can't see anything. But he hears that Jesus is going by. Isn't it something that Mark pens this? I mean, other gospel writers wrote about blind men, but Mark gives them a name. Maybe it's because Mark can relate to him. And all of a sudden, Bartimaeus starts to cry out, I, son of David, have mercy on me. Thou, son of David, have mercy on me. And then he recounts what the people around him said. Shut up. (laughs) Just shut up. Hold your peace. That's a polite way to say shut your mouth. They're telling him, he doesn't have time for you. Just be quiet. And I can't help but think that Mark remembers when there were those around him that didn't believe in him. But somebody did. And so Bartimaeus just keeps crying out even louder. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And it said, and then Jesus stopped. This is the only gospel that records us. And then Jesus stopped. And when Jesus stopped, he called for the man. And all those people had been shouting at him, telling him he wasn't important enough for Christ to take notice of him, now are telling him, hey, he's calling for you. And guess what he did? (laughs) He got up and he took off his coat. And he tossed his coat. Well, what's so significant about that? Don't you understand that under the in, in, in the Old Testament or in the New Testament, when you were blind, you wore a specific garment that symbolized you were blind. As soon as Bartimaeus heard that Jesus was calling him, he took off what stated he was blind. He said, because I'm not going to be blind much longer. I, I know I may have been knocked down, but I'm not out. You may have pushed me over, but I'm getting better up because I want to make a mark there's someone that's alive inside of me greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world somebody shout it out make a mark you ever smack yourself you know what I'm talking about I was walking in Mexico through a grocery store turned around they short people live over there man I turned around. I couldn't figure out what's going on. I turned around and there is a, a concrete wall that you have to do this to go under in a grocery store. I wasn't paying attention where I was. I turned around and went, whop! Left a mark. <laughs> we allow all sorts of things to leave marks on us, we allow what people have said about us to leave a mark. We, we allow things that we went through early in life to leave a mark. And sometimes these things leave a lasting mark. What are you saying? I'm saying, get over it. There's someone else that's entered your life that wants to leave a mark on it. <laughs> There's someone else that stepped into your world that's saying, forget those things that are behind <laughs> reach for those things that are in front of you. And when I say forget those things that are behind, what I'm saying, I'm not talking about forgetting your past. I'm talking about don't relive your past. Don't don't let your past rob you of your future. Say, well, what am I supposed to do? Do what Wesley did. John Wesley's laying on his deathbed, and Satan showed up, man, appeared before the great reformer rolled a scroll out the length of the room and he said every sin you've ever committed is on this scroll they said that the reformer propped himself up in the bed began to look at the scroll and sure enough every sin he'd ever committed man and it went the length of the room and they said that Wesley propped up and looked down and he said, you're right. He said, I've committed every one. He said, but there's one thing you forgot. I've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. <laughs> it's all gone. now. I'm forgetting those things that are behind and I'm reaching for that which is in front of me because I'm pressing toward the mark that he set for me. I believe this. I believe with all my heart Now, think about this. Think about what Paul said in this passage prior to that verse. He said, not as though I had already attained or were already made perfect. He said, but I follow after that for which I was apprehended. What's he saying? He's saying, he he said, I'm trying to apprehend that for which I was apprehended." Think about that. What's he saying? I'm trying to catch the reason I've been caught. I'm trying to grasp why I was grabbed. (laughs) You see, when God saves us, he sets a mark for us. And he's saying, if you'll follow after me, this is what your life can do. This is what you can achieve. I press toward the mark. The prize, the high calling, which is in Christ Jesus. I used to always pray, God, don't let me, don't let me mess up. Don't, don't let me leave behind. You remember that song, an unfinished task. I I used to sing that when I was a kid. I don't want, I want to finish strong. Turn around, look at your neighbor, and say, finish strong. No, no, say it again, finish strong. So I want you to stand with me right now, would you do it? You're in here today, and if you want to apprehend why you were apprehended, if you want to catch why you've been caught, if you want God to make a mark on your life, and I want you to come up here today and say, here I am, God. Mark me for your glory. Mark me for your purpose. Mark me. If you would have told me when I was 19 what I was going to be doing when I turned 30, I wouldn't have believed you. And I'm sorry. It's not that I don't think you're honest. It's just I could have never wrapped my mind around it. Why? Because I never felt like I was worthy. And then it dawned on me, it's not about me. <laughs> Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, it ain't about me. It ain't about me. I'm, I'm sorry, but it's not about me. Now go ahead and look at him and say, it's not about you either. <laughs> it's all about him. come <laughs> okay, no, no, you do not getting what I'm saying. It's all about him. Now, how many of you believe That he's able to do exceeding and abundantly above all you could ask or think. (laughs) Oh, you ought to be getting excited about now. (laughs) I mean that he can do more. He can do more with my life than I ever thought he could. And all I have to do is say yes. Yes. You know how we tend to attach things to our yes. Hey, can you come over and give me a hand with something? Yeah, but it has to be between these hours. Uh, that car you're wanting to sell, is it, is it a good car? Yes, it's a great car, but, but you have to kind of prime it before it'll get going. Things we attach to our yes. With God, he's saying, look, man, I, I, I just want you. Okay, God, here I am, but you need to know this about me. He already knows. He already knows what a mess you made. Anybody in this house today? He, he already knows. He already knows how bad we messed up. And he's saying, this isn't about you. This is about what I can do through you if you let me. So what I need you to do is I need you to let go of your reasoning. I need you to let go of your logic. Scripture says it. It says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. Imagination is the Greek word logismos. It's where we get our word logic from. It means taking an inventory of or trying to reason it out. God's saying, quit trying to figure this out. Quit trying to reason this out in your head and just trust me. Just trust me. Guess what I'm doing for my birthday this year? It's my golden birthday. I didn't even know that was a thing. It's my golden birthday. I'm going to be, I've got to get my age away. I'm I'm going to be 61. How's it, wait a minute, how's this work again? Oh, I was born in 1961 and I'm going to turn 61. I know you all thought I was 29, but okay. So, I'm I, I born in 61 and I'm turning 61. And for my birthday, I'm going up in a hot air balloon. On, on my birthday morning, I'm going up in a hot air balloon. I tried to do it last year. I didn't realize it wasn't my golden birthday, so it didn't work out. Going up in a hot air balloon, can I tell you a secret? I don't have a clue how to fly a hot air balloon. You mean to tell me you're going to climb into that hot air balloon and you don't even know how to fly it? Yeah, I'm trusting the guy that does. I hope you get a hold of that. Well, I don't know how to do this for God. I don't know how to do that. You don't have to. All you need to do is trust the one that does. He's not going to leave you or forsake you. He said, I'm going to be right there beside you. Somebody say it with me, up, up and away. Are you ready? Here we go. Raise your hands to heaven with me. I need some ushers to help me out. Step forward just a little bit. Step forward just a little bit. Stretch those hands to heaven. Look, when I lay hands on you, I'm believing God uh, that you are getting ready to go up, up, and away. That he's going to mark your life. That you're going to feel his power. You're going to sense his presence. And you're going to be able to let go of all your reasoning. My heart has been
1: here. Thank you mm-hmm. long before
0: To figure it all out so I forget sometimes I get in a service like this and feel the presence of God and there are folks in the congregation that are where I used to be what in the world is going on I always tell people this the Bible said that no man can see God and live so if you can't see him and live if he touches you something's gonna happen you may cry. You may just tremble. You, you may fall. I'm not really concerned about all that. I just want him to touch you. I want you to walk away from this place to know to knowing unmistakably that he's real. He's alive. And he knows who you are. He's got a plan for your life. When everybody else gave up on you he didn't when you spent a large portion of your life running he was waiting he was saying you can't outrun me you can't outweight me Israel thought they could that Israel said oh my ways passed over from God my ways hidden from the Lord he said and what were they saying they're saying man God couldn't God couldn't come touch me now it's too late my ways hidden from the Lord and he said Are you kidding me? He said, do you really think that you can wear me out? He said, the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord are going to renew their strength. They're going to mount up with wings like an eagle. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. What was he saying? He said, I've been here all along, and I've got something I want to impart to your life the only way we're ever going to make a mark with our lives is if we allow God to mark our lives with his presence so as you stretch your hands to heaven with me one more time today, Father I just thank you for your goodness and your grace and your love I thank you that you did not give up when I already had I thank you that I thank you, Father, that you're bigger than the giants that I face in my life. That you're more powerful than the circumstances surrounding me. And today, say it with me, today, my eyes are on you. I'm done looking at the giants. I'm done being impressed with giants. My eyes are on the giant slayer today. (laughs) My heart
1: has been
0: hands to heaven look you've been you've been through a lot here lately God's done a lot for you I mean he he dissolved a blood clot he what was the other thing he did he he dissolved an aneurysm and and yet you're still facing difficulty there's a God that is a specialist and in everything that you have need of I believe he can do in a moment don't you don't you stretch your hands to heaven if you believe that if you believe he can do it in a moment i mean doctors are guessing right they're they're, they're questioning they they don't have answers but he is the answer
1: Into life from death. And
0: That song, I'm done with running. Look at somebody say, I'm not running anymore. I'm done running away. You see me running, it's because I'm running to him. (laughs) I'm running into his presence where he changes everything. As you stretch your hands, look, this is I believe this with all my heart. I You know, the last couple of years, some things have changed, right? That, you know, we went through things that we've never been through before, but what you've got to understand are things are never going back to what we said was normal. God has broke a seal. His plan has been enacted. I'm not sitting around chewing my fingernails thinking, what are we going to do? I'm raising my hand saying, here I am, God. (laughs) When we leave this place, I believe we're going out the way they went out of Egypt with a high hand. So all I'm saying is, God, use me. (laughs) Mark my life and let my life have a mark on this world. Come on, stretch, stretch those hands, heaven. Father, I thank you for what you're doing today. God, that every individual in this building, you're apprehending them. God, you're touching them for your plan and your purpose. Stir up the gift that you've placed inside of them, God. Let them feel a fire that's shut up in their bones. I pray, Father, Lord, that we no longer try to fit you into our busy lives, but we begin to say, God, here's my life. And, Lord, you take control of it. Let everything I do, whether it's on the job or whether it's at a grocery store, wherever I am, God, let it bring glory to you. Help me make a mark because you've made a mark in me. And I give you praise for it right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give him a hand clap of praise in this house. Stretch your hands. How many of you believe that God can touch his foot? Amen. God, we're asking you in Jesus' name to let your healing power flow through this foot. Dear Corn. face to shine upon you may you always remember you've been made the head and not the tail above and not beneath and he intends to bless you going out and coming in in Jesus name God bless you we love you